What's up, everybody? Welcome to the next episode of the QDQ podcast. If you don't know us by now, my name is Becca. And my name is Ben. And we are here to tell you all the latest and greatest about theme parks, amusement parks, Disney-related things, and uh, talk about some, some history, talk about some theory, talk about some whatever you guys want to hear. That's what we are here for. We are here for you. Um, so the most important thing we have to talk about today is, uh, Ben, how was your week? My week was pretty chill. Um, nice. Yeah, no, it was cool. I just did some cool podcasting and stuff, which you know about. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of hung around, just hanging out. It was dope. You know, it was a good time. Yeah, we did a lot of work this week, which was yeah, we crazy. Um, it was a lot of fun, though. So obviously you're here listening to this episode. So yeah. Stay tuned. So uh, that was good. How about you, Becca? What was your week like? Uh, what was last week? Oh, last week was weird because I didn't have work because I'm in between jobs. So last week was kind of like the crunch time for like getting everything I needed to do to prep to now have two jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I did uh, three portrait sessions last week. Um, nice. I did two senior photos and a family like autumn fall photo shoot, which was re- a whole lot of fun. And really cool. nice. Um, so I was driving all around New England. I also had, um, you know, mermaid practice, as you do. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes it do be like that. Yeah. Um, and if you are in the New England area, this is going to be a shameless plug for my friends and I. Um, if you're in the New England area look, and you have little ones and you're looking to have a really cool experience, look up Everlasting Characters and Events because um, we do... Some pretty cool character work, some pretty cool mermaid stuff. This weekend, actually, we have a trunk or treat at the Salem Athletic Club, so you can meet a real live mermaid, Ben. Ooh, wow, I'm definitely going to that. We are not sponsored, but they're some of my favorite people. I work there. It's a great time. So. Yeah, awesome. Go check them out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Characters and events. Um, but Ooh. I don't know. Were we drinking? Uh, okay, so this is a time traveling episode prefaced um mm-hmm. which most of them i think for going forward are probably going to be we record the news at, at the very last second so that you have the most up-to-date news when the episode premieres but we usually record previously so i don't know if we discussed what we were drinking in the last episode in the actual mainframe of the episode but um i mean I, i'm sure we'll we'll say we'll say something then yeah <laughs> in the future I, in the past <laughs> I don't know. I am uh, drinking coffee currently. and ben, I am also drinking coffee currently. Ben is a sad boy. <laughs> I'm a sad boy today. Ben had a little too much fun last night, so it's time for coffee. But was it fun? That was great. That's good. That's I good. played virtual Drinkopoly. I made I used Tabletop Simulator, the, the video game. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can like make your own board games. So I took a picture of the game Drinkopoly off of Amazon. And I overlaid it, and then we played it with, like, virtual D&D tabletop figures. And then I played a, tr- a twist at the end that we had to fight a dragon. It was pretty fun. That's really fun, man. And unfortunately, it made me stay up until 7 in the morning. I was going to say, why wasn't I invited? But before we finished doing stuff yesterday, I was like, gotta go, gotta wake up at 5.30. So. Yeah, so I would have. We'll get you in on the next one. The good next thing about time. that is we can play it from anywhere, because I just kind of streamed it over Discord, so. That's that's really fun. I, moved, I love that. I moved the pieces. Yeah, it was a good time. So actually, that was probably the highlight of my week. Good. I'm now glad I jogged I your memory. It. Yeah, I can't really think of much right now. So um, so let's get into the news. The news. So the first thing on the news this week is that Disneyland is opening the front portion of Disney's California Adventure as an extension for shopping and dining. So basically, this is um, the equivalent to Main Street USA, but in DCA. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will include stores like Elias and Company, Julius Katz and Sons, the, um, the quick service or the treat location of Trolley Treats, the Carthay Circle Lounge, where you can get drinks and some some snackies, and then Smoke Jumpers Grill, which is over by Soren. Um, all of those things will be opening soon. I think it's November is when that's that's coming at you. Excellent. Um, so if you didn't get, if you don't, if you live on the West Coast and you don't get enough of just from downtown Disney, you can wander into DCA and at least maybe it might feel a little bit like normal, even though none of the, none of the attractions will be open. Wow, that's sad. Yeah, uh, California has some pretty strict guidelines and we'll talk about that 
now because that's the next thing on the news. Um, the Disneyland and all theme park or large theme park opening reopening guidelines. Um, there's been no actual date set to reopen of any of the parks um, because they have to. They can't reopen until they're in what is known as the yellow zone of of COVID. So it's basically like there's a there's a yellow zone. Uh, orange zone and a red zone. The red zone is like there's a lot of cases. There's it's mm-hmm. I it's I don't know what the red zone actually is for cases per a hundred thousand people, but I know the yellow zone is literally one new case per one hundred thousand people Oof. daily. So I like, don't think California is going to get there anytime soon. That is not good odds. So yeah. and and it's we we say that we're sad about Disney not reopening, which we are, but it's for the best it's for everybody's safety and it's for for health health you know i would still go (laughs) yeah so when they do open once they do get into this yellow zone they have to remain uh maintain a 25 percent capacity which is what the florida parks are currently operating at more Mm -hmm. or less um so there's been a lot of talk with the theme parks or specifically the bigger theme parks the smaller theme parks have a little bit of a different requirement it's like uh they can operate in the orange zone but they can only operate at a 20 percent capacity or a five or 500 guests whichever one is more or whichever one is less i don't remember it's like it's this arbitrary rule um but because it's the smaller parks you know but Mm -hmm. it it's just it's a it's a wild situation over there um and it's just different types of 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 people on that side of the country or at least that that state than florida so it again i think it's it is what it is (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i don't think that people should not that they shouldn't make a big deal out of it, but leave it to the professionals, leave it to the parks to to talk about, to figure out with the state, you know? Yeah. Um, They'll, get it out. They'll be open. Let's hope. Yeah. Can't lose Disneyland, man. Um, so the next thing on the news is the, <laughs> speaking of lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> do we have any updates on the Duke I'm Kaboom about, case this I'm week? A, I'm about to, to look it up, but do you want to read the next headline? Yeah, so this is not about the Duke Kaboom case, unfortunately, but the Muppet Babies creator sues Disney for the reboot. Um, yeah, they said they, was that creating valuable traits or is it, what, what is that supposed to say? uh they the um the old owner of the muppet babies um Mm -hmm. is suing disney for um like uh the owner created valuable traits to the series that they didn't give that man credit for or royalties for or whatever yeah so much like the florida parks my brain is only operating at 25 percent capacity apparently um (laughs) so bear with me folks um yeah universal studios uh to bring back the cinematic celebration show as of october 24th that's pretty cool news so that'll that already started that happened started on last saturday which Mm -hmm. is very exciting because that means there's some some nighttime show and it's just it's a a lagoon show it's just a projection thing on some some stuff but um in the meantime i also have an update oh we have an Um, update on the duke kaboom case i mean like nothing really happened but i have a number now okay okay um so can he, Evil Knievel's child. I, I miss, I don't child know. Child of Knievel. I'm going to just call them the child. Oh, Evil Knievel's son. Just kidding. The name is Kelly, but I, if I read better, I wouldn't understand. So, so Evil Knievel's son is suing Disney for damages. Um, he's taking issue with Keanu Reeves' character, Duke Boom, who is billed as the great, Canada's greatest stuntman in the Disney Pixar blockbuster. Knievel's suing Disney for damages in the form of $300,000, believing Duke was based off his father and made a joke out of his legacy. Hmm. Um, basically, he says, Evil Knievel did not thrill millions around the world, break his bones, and spill blood just so Disney could make a bunch of money. Hmm. I have a feeling that I've already said this before. I don't think that Evil Knievel's son is going to win this lawsuit. Uh, I think, if anything, no. I think Disney's going to try to settle with him. Oh, he'll, they'll, I, they'll, my money's on that. They'll I think settle. they'll settle with him. I, I think don't... if it actually went like on, I think Disney would win the case. But 
Probably, but I'm sure at Disney will just be like, shut up and give him money. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So, in other Universal Studios news, the former cast of Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Halloween Adventure hosted a virtual reunion to benefit the Greater Orlando Performing Arts Relief. And they set up uh, local performers who are out of this, the, sorry, rewinding. The Greater Orlando Performing Arts Relief was set up to help local performers who are out of work due to the pandemic. So, this classic show, I never got to see it. Um, I hear mixed things about Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Halloween Adventure which it used to take over the Beetlejuice Graveyard Review stage, which is no longer existent because they made, um, that's where part of the really bad ride at Universal Fast and Furious is. Um, but it was like this infamous Halloween Horror Nights show that was that went on, I want to say, for like 25 years of Halloween Horror Nights. Wow. Um, and it was obviously based on Bill and Ted's Bill excellent and Ted. adventure. Yep. Um, but yeah, um, this is like really interesting news. Um, Florida regulators are cracking down on theme park injuries. So huh. basically they're cracking down on the regulations of how you report theme park industry, like injuries, because there's, there's, I've seen a couple of videos now about how theme parks, we, like you all know the, I think we've talked about it before at least, the idea that you can't die on Disney property like you cannot be pronounced dead on Disney property. Mm-hmm. That's like this thing. And the way that theme parks will um, report injuries, it'll be like, oh, uh, so Ben, say you, I don't know, scraped and fell or like tripped and fell and you hit like a fence post and like tore open your hand, needing to mm-hmm. go to the hospital, needing stitches for example. And maybe you tripped because there was a piece of property left out or something. You, like, Universal would report that as, like, minor cuts (laughs) when it clearly wasn't. So, like, the hospital reports versus the Universal legal reports weren't, like, weren't matching up because of, like, there was, like, loose laws on it. So, Florida, the state of Florida is, is cracking down on how they report these things. Weird. So, and it's all due to, to PR. It's just that there's like a lot of, there's more injuries at theme parks than people think there are because they're not reported correctly. Mm-hmm. Only very serious ones that make like the news are known to about because they'll be like, people had cameras and they took pictures, you know, something yeah. like that. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess it's better. It's holding the theme parks accountable for for injuries and it makes them it will make the parks overall a safer place in in my opinion well that's my hope Eh. i mean you're still gonna get injured either way (laughs) yeah but you hope that it gives more um awareness of of accidents and things like that you know yeah especially like people are more careful in general yeah especially right now just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. Um, yes, yeah, so there's, uh, this is pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> new Glacier Bar opened at SeaWorld in Orlando. That's good news for me. They'll have a 360 degree view of the new Icebreaker Coaster. Mm-hmm. So the Icebreaker Coaster is located very close to the Polar Bear and Penguin exhibit. Um, do they even have Polar Bears still? I haven't been to SeaWorld in a long time. I... <laughs> you know they have polar bears. They have penguins, though. I know they used to have polar bears, but... They have penguins and puffins. I love puffins. Puffins are great. Um, but yeah, it's located in that section of the park. And uh, as we talked about in, I think, like June or July or something, early, mid-pandemic season, mm-hmm. um, Icebreaker is on hold until uh, tw- at least 2021, if not longer. Which so, is sad. It's sad. Um <laughs> What are you going to do? That's how yeah, life works. I'm excited, though, because, you know, SeaWorld has gr- some great coasters. SeaWorld does have good coasters. I, so. I wouldn't be surprised if most of their their large aquatic animals went away and they would they turned into mostly, like, like when you go to Busch Gardens, you go to Busch Gardens because it's it's this theme, like this amusement park, right? Yeah, like, I you think don't really been, care about it. They've been trying to go that route ever since they stopped breeding orcas. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is the right decision. 
I agree. Speaking of SeaWorld, SeaWorld San Antonio is to, going to throw a Fiesta del Mar celebration to celebrate Hispanic heritage from November 6th to November 15th. It will feature street tacos, tostadas, churros, roasted corn, and margaritas. Ooh, margaritas. Cool. Big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is fun. And I really like that it's like, it's SeaWorld San Antonio, which probably has a, a very hard, uh, very large uh, Mexican-American population. So I really mm-hmm. like that they're celebrating the local culture. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, so keep looking out for that. Speaking of orcas, this next thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> ready, buddy? I'm so ready. Fremantle Productions confirms a thriller series based on the book Death at SeaWorld, which gives a detailed look at the events preceding the Blackfish documentary. Oh, boy. I, I, I believe it's going to be on Hulu, which is mm-hmm. exciting and fun, because <laughs> then I can watch it. Um, I, still have, I still haven't watched uh, the Class Action Park documentary, because I, I want to download HBO Max for like Class the free trial. <laughs> I think that's the best title ever. <laughs> that's what the title of the documentary is. And it's so, awesome. so fitting. Um, yep. I don't know. I really love the idea of more amusement park documentaries. It's cool. But yeah, yeah. Um, I loved, I like, I was very interested in Blackfish, Blackfish when it came out. Mm-hmm. So... I'm very interested to see how this plays out. And it's also like, whether you support SeaWorld or not, like the, the events were just tragic in general. Like, right. like, and it's just the facts. And the thing is, if you support SeaWorld or not, the, they have taken the, the time and maybe, maybe, yeah, they didn't do it until after the documentary is made and people were more aware of it, but like they, they've changed their policies. They've changed mm-hmm. the way they operate. So I think, is there always going to be questionable things when it comes to operating any business? Probably. <laughs> yeah. I think they've definitely changed it for the better. And yeah, regardless of what happened before, they're doing their best now to correct it. So. Yeah. Um, give them your money or don't give them your money. That's up to you. Yeah. Um, Vote with your dollars. Uh, the next piece of news is that Planet Word, the first voice-activated immersive museum, is to open in Washington, D.C., and it focuses on oral st- storytelling, written word, songwriting, and sign language. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It looks, <clears throat> the, the concept art looks really cool for it. I, yeah, I'll have to go check that out. I loved it. Um, yeah, looked really cool. Looked really fun. I'm all about museums. I fucking love museums. <laughs> Museums are cool. Um, that's why I like Epcot so much. That's originally right. why, because of the the edutainment factor. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, Disneyland Paris is to build the largest solar canopy over their parking lot. So basically, it's like a big old parking garage, but instead of like the garage part, is just a little solar roof. That's cool. Yeah, and I don't know, and then, like, people were basically saying, like, why doesn't every park do this? And it's, like, the preferred parking gets the solar, the solar roof, so, because it, it's added in shade, and it will have an electric car charger, too, if you, mm-hmm. because you would automatically have it. I think it'd be really cool to see the numbers on how much energy they would produce on a given, any given time, especially in Florida, if you think about it, or even oh, yeah. Los Angeles, or, like, the Anaheim area. Like, I'm all about this idea of, like, come on. Install mm-hmm. more green energy. Let's do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Please do. Um, yeah. That's last one, Ben. It's not theme park related, but it's so important. Oh, that is very important. Um, Reese's, the company, is bringing trick-or-treating to you with a front door on wheels that will bring the candy to you. <laughs> I am obsessed with this. <laughs> I don't even like... I. <clears throat> I don't even think I did any more research than like Shay shared it. And I was just like, Ben, this is the news. Yep. This is news. <laughs> this is such good news. I just love the idea of trigger treating. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. Oh. It's a trick or treating door. It's bringing, bringing the fun to you. So look out for the Reese's door. I wonder where actually. I'm sure it, I'm sure it's like, 
in a like very highly populated suburb of like I don't know New York. <laughs> yeah, Hershey, maybe, Pennsylvania, probably. Yeah, I was like maybe in in Hershey. I don't know. I don't know, man. We need to get back out to Hershey Park. I know. I haven't. I've never actually been to Hershey Park. I went what? to the. I went to the like the museum. Hershey's Chocolate World with yeah, the kick-ass song. Right next to it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that place was great. Chocolate. Oh, I loved Hershey's Chocolate World. But the park. It was rainy that day, so we didn't go to the park. Lame. The park is so good. The park has some of the greatest roller coasters in that. Park. Oh, so good. So I'm fun. gonna have to go back and check it out. You gotta it's in Pennsylvania. Go. We can go to Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's not, not too far. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a, it's like a, a hop, skip, and a jump away. We're good. Like twelve hours, it's fine. <laughs> that's, not, that's not that much. Anyway, uh, that's the news. All right, so we'll come back to you right after the break. Right after this break. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with ScribbleScript Studio. ScribbleScript is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram, make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you, and if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. And we're back. We are back. What a great ad that was. You know, it never gets old. Never, it really doesn't. Never does. So, yeah, that's all for the news. We are going on to today's. Today's? <laughs> topic. <laughs> I was like, did you forget the word? Did you... <laughs> Sorry, my brain was loading. So we're on to today's topic, which is in the spirit of spoopy season, alien encounter. Ba, ba, ba. That's right, friend. We decided that this is the closest episode we will have to Halloween, which means that we are going to go deep diving into what is known as the scariest attraction ever built at the Disney in Park. Disney. <laughs> um, and it was built in the Magic Kingdom of in all places. places. Um so our sources for this today was from a, a full plate, like a full ride video from Rob Fuzz, Wikipedia, Theme Park History, Defunct Land, Midway to Main Street, uh, Park Ride History. Pretty much everybody has covered this this attraction because it is the darkest attraction that Disney has ever ever actually made in at least yeah. the U.S. I can't speak for the other parks, but I would assume that it is. I don't think it's the darkest ever um well no probably is it's between that and then the castle mystery tour yeah um which maybe we'll do that someday who knows yeah that'd be fun um so you never got to ride this right i did not i was terrified out of riding it because my brother would always talk it up to me as how scary it was and yeah yeah i was too young i didn't it was before my time basically i didn't either so let's just start with I mean, let's just go through it. We have, what we're going to talk about today is the history of the concept, um, the timeline for when it happened. We're going to go through kind of, not a play-by-play -play of what's happening, more, but like mm -hmm. kind of like a, this is how the ride went. And yep. then- From conception to the ride to it's closing. It's closing. Um, what came after it briefly, as well as um, some reasons why it didn't work, um, I'm, mm. other than the obvious but we'll get into it. So with that being said, in 1988, Michael Eisner wanted to bring more IP-based rides into the theme parks, most likely due to his experience working around movies as president of Paramount Pictures. There's also a rumor going around that he took his teenage son to the park and told, and his son told him that Disney World was lame and boring. So Eisner, oh. yeah, I know. Eisner wanted to bring more thrills and appeals to a teen audience across the park. To be fair, to be fair, Alien Encounter was, like, the first edition of the, like, teen gamut of, like, mm -hmm. attractions. So, like, you and I grew up in a time where Test Track existed, the Tower of Terror exists, Rock and Roller Splash Coaster Mountain. exists, Splash Mountain. This was right after Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain was, like, one of the only things that was, like, really a thrilling ride other than, like, I mean, yeah. Space Mountain existed and whatever. But, like, 
to be fair, Eisner's son kind of was right. I'm sure as a teenager, Disney wasn't the most exciting of places, especially because this was in 88. So like, like MGM wasn't open yet. It was right about to be. Yeah, and no, that's true. So like, it was just Epcot before Test Track and Mission Space <laughs> and the Magic Kingdom. And there was not much yeah. going on. So No, I guess I can see it. Yeah. I've also loved Disney at all years. Right. I think there was a time where I was like, I didn't want to go to the Magic Kingdom, but that's quickly, quickly passed. Right. And he, so Eisner was looking for prominent, already established movies to use that could boost his attendance numbers. And somehow he landed on Ridley Scott's Alien. Of all things. Mm hmm for magic Kingdom. yep no it seems Alien. like a perfect choice i don't i don't know what you mean <laughs> yes because we really want the bleak future it's, in Tomorrowland. It's, it's, it's Tomorrowland. <laughs> it's a possibility ben you gotta yeah we have to is. be aware of all possibilities of the future that's true um so his original concept was something like that of uh, the men in black's alien attack but it was even scarier um guests travel through pitch dark and defend the nostromo from the Xenomorph. The ride would be called Nostromo after the ship that was featured in the movie. Um, and it actually would have been the first shooter ride added to the Disney parks as Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin had not yet made its debut. Uh, yeah, and older Imagineers immediately were like, uh, no thank you. Um, they stated that al the Alien franchise specifically as an R-rated movie had no business being inside of a Disney park, which makes total sense. Why would we mm -hmm. bring in this... We're like Disney at this point. I still don't think Disney had really ever reached even the PG 13 line. I think we had like barely even crossed into maybe even the PG line. Like we were, we were, yeah. we barely crossed that path. So it's like the this company is known for being a family and children entertainment company. Why would we put anything like right. that in it? So, and I'm just trying to imagine like, do you think they would have taken out like Take Flight or something like that and put it in there on the Buzz Lightyear track? Yeah. And they would have had that system. And I'm trying to think, like, that would be a terrifying queue line, yeah. first off. Yeah, and it was... Um, and so many children would just be terrified. You'd probably see, like, dead people. You'd probably see, like, face huggers and crap and, like, right. people, and, like, having aliens burst out of them. Like, that's not something you want kids to see. And, and no idea no idea goes unused. So we then see, right. once Hollywood Studios opens with the great movie ride, you then see a loose concept based on this of, of you get the alien scene and it's terrifying yeah. it is yeah no i was always terrified of that as a kid um but i'm just trying to imagine like that doesn't even do any exposition like on the movie or like on the concept you would have to do that in an alien themed ride like you'd have to be like this is what happens and there would be like an alien of the fuck like a video of the alien coming out of the dude and you'd be like i don't Great. want yeah. to see that as a kid <laughs> yeah so they also imagineers also kind of felt like if this ride belonged in any park, it was not a Disney park. It was Universal. It was kind of like, they yeah. were like, we don't want to give the other guy ideas, but like, that's their territory. Like, right. doing these creepy special effects, like, it would totally work over there, not mm -hmm. here. And we've said this multiple times about Alien Encounter. It's, it would be perfect if it was down the road. Yeah, so many things <laughs> that Eisner did. I was like, that would have just been so successful over down the road, but uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, the idea was shelved. Uh, nobody, nobody, and this was in 1988, and nobody really, really liked the idea. So it sat vacant for, for a couple of years. Yeah, and then later, so Mission to Mars, we've talked about Mission to Mars before, it was the original show that was in the theater in the round. That became outdated, so they started to toss around the idea of using the alien IP again. Um, younger Imagineers thought it would be a simple, to a very simple repurpose of the theater, and they were just going to set it up in the old place, and uh, Eisner gave them the go-ahead to start designing. Through the process, there were a few distinct iterations of the ride, though. Yeah, so the first version was still called Nostromo, where Imagineers thought it would be most effective for the audience to be in the same room as the Xenomorph, and that aspect never really changed. That was kind of a beginner idea that fell through every single version of this ride. So... Mm -hmm. Um, 
Using that theater in the round, the, and they would place the alien in the center room of the room and add shoulder restraints and have the air, alien terrorize guests as they were locked in their chairs. This brought ah uh, yes yes this brought up the idea of having e- individual chairs have their own special effect systems, being able to emit smells, spray water, and be equipped with binaural binaural audio speakers. That it truly felt like the alien was around you. And if you don't know what a binaural audio is, it's basically taking two different microphones spaced out on equidistant from each of your ears so that you can record audio so that it's a realistic sounding thing. So it's a very stereo effect and it's Mm. truly disturbing. Um, The water would be used to simulate spit and blood splatter from the alien. There would be air cannons for breathing. Um, And uh, Eisner really liked this idea and he, he greenlit it. So... As he would have. Thus um, began, and, began designing. <laughs> but as we've come to expect, the older Imagineers hated the idea. Mm-hmm. Then they tried to dissuade Eisner from the horrors that they anticipated. Not knowing where to turn, they went to George Lucas to help convince Eisner that it was a bad idea. Um, Lucas had just come off of the success of opening the Star Tours attraction in Disneyland, and then later Hollywood Studios. So Eisner trusted Lucas, and after a meeting... Between the two of them, Eisner still liked the idea, but decided taking away the alien IP would be best, and left Lucas as the creative director for the entire attraction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this presented a challenge to Imagineering, because originally what was going to be a fairly easy uh, process of just overlaying this idea of this alien thing, now that you've ripped away that alien IP, there's no longer an established storyline or character to center around this idea, which is what you just said, of like, if you had this full alien ride, you would have to give a little bit of exposition, but visitors may already know, and it wouldn't. you wouldn't have to do exactly. full exposition because at this point in the late 80s, early 90s, people were very familiar with Ridley Scott's Alien. Um, so they, just, they knew that they had to create this compelling and original storyline that draws similarity to the impression of the Alien series without actually ripping it off altogether. Right. Um, Lucas had his own plan, uh, the original story for Alien Encounter, Oh, I was so close to having no typos so in this. I proofread this and everything. Damn it. <laughs> so what, what was that supposed to read? <laughs> would be a convention is what that's ah, supposed yeah, to say. It would be a convention of aliens trying to show off their technology by transporting an alien onto Earth. Now, this sounds pretty much like the premise of every show that came next, but Lucas's version, if you can believe it, was actually more sinister um, than that we know than today. What we, yeah, mm-hmm. the, that we know today is the scariest ride Disney's ever made. So it turns out that the alien convention is actually evil and they are purposefully going to be setting the bloodthirsty alien on you because they're making you their evil science experiments show dominance as a life form. Yeah. As a, or is that supposed to be as a, okay. <laughs> Oops. Somehow no one was too keen on Lucas's idea and it was scrapped. I just, Listen, man, nothing says Disney like being attacked by a bloodthirsty monster. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it sounds like a really fun time. That's Disney, right? Not Universal. No no way. No way Universal has a giant monkey trying to kill you. No way Universal has an evil shark trying to eat you. Like, that's not a thing. That's a Disney thing. That's totally Disney. Uh, Um, Anyway, uh, what came to be in the original soft opening in 1994 was that guests were escorted into a pre-host Posted by Technobotic Oratorical Mechanism 2000, or Tom 2000 for short. Tom 2000 demos the teleportation with Skippy, a small alien, where Tom explains that the process is very simple. Now the alien goes from one tube to the next, no problem. It was a very lighthearted and funny pre-show. Most people, uh, oh, and then after the pre-show, you'd go into um, the ride, which was not so lighthearted. Um, wait, where did this go? Oh, God. I've now, oh, crap. Hold on, everybody. Oops. Oh, it was still this evil corporation thing going on, but it wasn't, like, Mm -hmm. as terrifying. Anyway, so you would go into the actual show, and then you would get Alien Encounter, which was... Terrifying. terrifying and a lot of a lot of people complain that the story was really confusing and 
they couldn't really understand what was going on. There was the terrifying alien. He was attacking you and whatever, whatever. But a lot of, a lot of the answer was that it was a confusing ride because everybody was screaming because it was terrifying. Nobody could understand dialogue because everybody was screaming and loud. So instead of changing the attraction to make it less intense for everybody, Michael Eisner made it worse by extending it, giving room for screams and changing the pre-show. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's uh yeah that sounds awful <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so disney closed the ride for six months and a 10 million dollar rewrite to the pre-show to get make make it a more sinister tone do repacing of the attraction and account for audience screams in the second iteration um intro video before the pre-show room explained that excess tech grew from a small manufacturing company on one planet to the number one provider of various technology across the galaxy the company has been criticized for only having an interest in earth to make a profit but the chairman of the company tells us that they have a desire to help less fortunate and developed planets um profit is just a byproduct of their actions so after we see this intro video before the pre-show room which if you if you remember um stitch even stitch's great escape the same concept happened of like there was the like the the back and forth queue outside and then you would go into the holding room which is which is now where they do and they normally do meet and greets for stitch that's where me, where stitch greets in that room where there's the pre-show just little screens and then you go into yep. the pre-show room so you move into the pre-show room and um guests will meet the simulated intelligence robot or sir for short who is voiced by tim curry tim uh, uh yes, yes. Uh, Tim Curry, the icon, the the voice of our childhood, and also the most amazing theater character of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sir explains the series 1000 transmitter, which is the latest from Excess Tech. He demonstrates by attempting to move a small, harmless alien named Skippy, the exact same animatronic from the, the soft opening. They didn't change that. Um, he attempts to move him from one transmitter tube to the other, but on the way, Skippy gets fried and charred up for Skippy. Oof. Sir explains that this is nothing like they're about to see for their process in the other room and the other chamber is pretty much flawless and promises that once guests one that one guest will be transported to meet the chairman up at XS Tech's headquarters. And once the guests are in the other room, shoulder restraints come down and they are introduced to two technicians, Spinblock and Dr. Femus, before a volunteer is selected. The chairman arrives and announces a change of plans. Instead of one earthling to the alien world, the chairman will actually come to Earth to meet everyone in the theater and explain the potential of the company himself. I want that ride. Can you show <laughs> this me? can't go wrong. Can you show me that ride? Right. <laughs> of just us meeting this alien man to tell us about some stuff. I love it. Uh-oh. Mm. But no, nothing can go wrong. Absolutely. Or can well, it? I mean, what could possibly happen? I don't know. But So, <laughs> during this demonstration... They lose the signal and cannot find the chairman. Mm-mm. But while searching, they find a trace of a life form. Nice. Found him. The teleport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be him. Um, so meanwhile, the teleportation tube in the center of the room is revealed under a metal chamber and starts to flash and fill with smoke. That's Spinlock fine. The assumes that the life form they found is the chairman and beams it any anyway. But soon revealed. <laughs> yeah, it went wrong. Uh, it was a carnivorous winged creature. Shit. Before they can do anything... <laughs> About it, the creature breaks the glass and escapes. Two turn invisible, yeah, the two turn the invisible force field on and ensure guests that as long as the beam stays on, they are safe. They're safe. We're safe. We're safe. Yeah, everything. Like, what could possibly go wrong? So, uh, what could possibly go wrong, you ask? Suddenly the power goes out and the beams are off. Da na na. Great. The alien is able, and nobody saw it coming. They have perfect technology. It's excess tech, the leader in various alien technology. Duh. They're doing great. The alien is able to escape from the center of the room and begins to stalk helpless park goers in complete darkness from above them. Um, The technicians get a maintenance worker to help them get power back on, and a live cast member from up in the rafters begins shining a flashlight around. This is actually true. This was like a role that you played. It was a just, you were the cast member that waited for your cue, and oh my God. had a flashlight. What a good time. Through a night vision camera, which is probably not real, guests see the maintenance worker find the auxiliary power switch and reconnect the power. As soon as he is able to do this, the power comes back on, but the alien monster mauls the worker, and blood 
pours down from the raptors onto oh, the guests. Wow. I'm assuming pour is a strong word and it was just like a little bit of drippage, but like still. Yeah. Um, the alien then goes back to stalking the guests. Um, after this, for after you're terrorized for a while, um, Dr. Femus restores the power and coaxes the monster back into the tube by using a screaming sound to lure it back. Um, basically, like, she commands it to, like, mimic the sound of screams because I guess this monster is attracted to screaming because the whole, the whole show, the, the voices are like, just remain calm, just be quiet, and then they scream, and he's like, I told you to be quiet. Oh my god. Um, so at this moment when the monster gets back into the tube, they decide to destroy it and right before he's vaporized that metal cover that we saw in the beginning comes right back down protecting you from the vaporization, but not before more blood and guts can be sprayed upon the guests. Oh great. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I would have had nightmares. Right? Till this day, if I saw this run. So, as the restraints rise, the two technicians thank the guests for coming, apologize for the mishap, and admit the guests still got to see the potential for this technology. Finally, we exit through the gift shop. Like, what? I just love that, like, even still, they're trying to, like, be like, but the technology, you saw it, it, it was cool. You didn't almost die. It's fine. Oh, my God. Yep, so uh, it was an 18-minute-long attraction that everyone hated, mm-hmm. and after only eight years, the infamous attraction was closed for good. And October 12th, 2003, it would be, or it was closed on October 12th, 2003, to be replaced with Stitch's Great Escape. Um, yeah, and the ride closed mostly due to negative feedback, but was also due to the success of the Lilo and Stitch movie. It was a, it was a uh, commercial success, that movie. Um, mm-hmm. so they really, really wanted to get the characters from Lilo and Stitch into the parks and fast. And there were also rumors that the arrest of actor Jeffrey Jones, who played the chairman, did not make the decision hard to get rid of it. He was arrested yeah. for child pornography, and that's not good. Don't do that. Get that on out of Disney. Yeah. Um, so he was he was gone. So I don't think it made the decision very difficult. Plus, I think if if it had still happened before they before they were able to get rid of it into a new ride, I think they would have recast it and had to and reshoot it anyway. Um, but negative feedback, insane amounts of negative feedback. Um, so here's a few other things about Alien Encounter. There's actually a tribute to Alien Encounter in the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout ride at Disney's California Adventure um, in the form of like a, a paper invoice from Excess Tech. Um, and I think that's really cool because it's like, of all the places that you can put a tribute to, mm-hmm. like the only one that makes sense is Guardians of the Galaxy. As, yeah. But I also like the idea that it makes it canon that XS Tech is a real company in the in the Marvel universe. And now I want <laughs> that's true a movie. I <gasps> so you know how there's the theory about the like Disney Park cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Bring back Alien Encounter. Oh, just man. for the cinematic universe like i don't care about bringing back the ride just the concept yeah. or maybe just, just you weren't here the week that we talked about the space mountain movie that was no, the week with shay so. so like we talked about a couple weeks ago um they're making a space mountain movie apparently in the works okay but i'm wondering if this could potentially be the plot of ex- like you bringing excess tech back into the idea of Space Mountain. I'd be into That's it. That's fair. I'd be into it. Um, so the design of the theater was actually really perfect for this attraction. Um, it gave guests like the illusion that the experience they were having was really unique of like you couldn't really see anybody on either side of you and you couldn't see anyone directly in front of you. And like, you could see people like a little bit out of your peripheral, but the, the shoulder restraints, like I'm sure you remember from doing stitch, like mm-hmm. you, had to, you were stuck there. You were done. I also, yeah. did you ever have the issue of like, you weren't sitting straight up when the right, when the shoulder restraint came down. So it came down too much. And then you were like squished and stuck in the side of your shoulder restraint <laughs> and really uncomfortable for like 10 minutes. Oh boy. Happened to me all the time. 
Um, but like, again, the binaural audio really made a difference of like, yeah, it did this fully immersive surrounding thing. And I wish that like more attractions had that. Cause I think it's just like, I don't know, really like two of my, or I didn't really get to experience alien encounter. I did get to do stitches, great escape, which we'll talk about in a minute. But like mm-hmm. one of my favorite attractions when I was younger, we've talked about this before, of like is was like Sounds Dangerous, the stupid Drew Carey yeah. film of just like I really liked how it had pretty much the exact same elements, but it was just like most of it in the dark. But like, I don't know, binaural audio, it should be used more. Um, I agree. Then. The weirdest thing that I found about Alien Encounter was before it was promoted, or while it was being promoted, right before the the, the thing debuted, and this this comes st- specifically from a debunked land episode, not defunct land, but debunked land, which was like a, a series of like Kevin Perjurer's team went through like rumors that circulated around, like heavy heavily debated yeah. rumors, and they talked about whether or not they used actual alien abductees in a promotion to promote this right yeah exactly you're looking at me like it's like i'm a crazy person this is not this is a true thing this was a real thing that happened so they put together this video that was basically like interviews with people who claimed that they were abducted by aliens and that like aliens were real and they existed so like basically yeah Basically, the, the premise of the, of the special was like Eisner started off being like, aliens exist and they're hiding in Area 51, but we, and, and we know that, so we're going to show you. And then it, you know, took people who believed they were abducted in a, like this testimonial style to pr- promote the ride. And it only w- aired once and it was on Halloween in like five cities. So I'm assuming it was like the greater Orlando area. Yeah. And basically what happened from it was that like, parents and families like were like how dare disney like feed into this like conspiracy theory about like aliens existing and them hiding in in area 51 and there was like outrage and it never aired again and it was like lost media for years but like you can find it you can watch it it's so wild it's so weird it's like this was an actual thing that they used for marketing purposes that's insane who thought this was a good idea I don't know. Um, so let's talk about what replaced Alien Encounter. Yeah. So it was replaced by Stitch's Great Escape, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it proved the idea for the ride was still not very successful. <laughs> no. Um, it was a more popular kid-friendly IP, the very similar pre-show demonstrating the Galactic Federation holding facility. Uh, it's where... They house level one and two prisoners, and we are recruits going through training. But we quickly learned at the last minute uh, there's a level three prisoner we need to be faced with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that level three prisoner turns out it's Stitch. Um, in this iteration of the ride, it was not like a retcon, but it was more or less like an expansion of the beginning part of the movie, right before he escapes. Mm. And it's like, kind of like a prequel kind of but it like changed a little bit of the storyline of like of stitch because they're like what is he but he's still known as in his experiment 626 form in this yeah uh ride his capabilities are not known and they when he first is beamed in he looked just looks like a little cuddly creature that um we know and love him to be but we find out that he's a jokester and a trickster and he just kind of goes around pranking people. Like he's not harmful, which was very different from Alien Encounter. But it was funny to me that they came up with Stitch's Great Escape because it was like, this is just Alien Encounter, but for kids. It's the exact same ride. Um, But like he's harmless. He's bouncing around, spitting on laser cannons, eating a chili dog, burping in your face. No big deal. The worst part of any ride ever is that chili dog. Oh yeah, that was horrible. Um... But it turns out, um, back to why this ride didn't work, turns out that people don't like to experience things in the dark um, or having gross ride experiences. Um, Yeah, that too. So 
the whole ride or the majority of the ride about 80 percent of this ride and alien encounter both of them existed in the dark like pitch dark and it was supposed to be this like elevated experience for your other senses of like yep. what do you you feel and what do you experience when you can't see which i think is a really cool concept but it plays into like the number one fear of most people which is the dark, and dark if yep. you are uncomfortable in the dark you are uncomfortable in this ride there's n- there's Absolutely. no getting around it um and the other problem that I, I kind of briefly mentioned was that you, you've seen Lilo and Stitch and you know Stitch as being this cute little thing that now knows how to function in society. He was uncivilized, but the ride, sh- or he was civilized into the Hawaiian little culture, lives with Lilo and Nani and it's a great time, right? But this ride shows him in his pre-Earth self and not what you come to expect from this character. And like, I, it just seems like they just every time they did this ride they did it wrong mm-hmm. like you i think you've mentioned of like your mom didn't like it because she'd never seen lilo and stitch and then hated the stitch character right yeah she's never given it a second chance she rode the ride once she hates stitch Ugh. just because that was her only experience with the character and like try talking to her about it otherwise and like yeah he's cute and cuddly at the end of the movie and he's like a good guy but from that he's not a good character like and I wouldn't like him as a character if that was the first way I saw him. And I think the other thing that happens is, like, now Stitch is known as, like, not this niche character, but it's a, he's a lot of people's favorite character. Um, yeah. And But I think a lot of people know Stitch from literally, like, meet and greets at Disney. Like, uh-huh. I don't think a lot of people nowadays, like, a lot of kids and stuff, have seen have seen Lilo and Stitch. So once it was announced in 2016 you probably had like most of the the market either was too old for when the movie came out originally so they never actually saw it or they were kids who the that that we've we've talked about it in a couple different things of like that weird block from like 2000 to 2004 was like missed like nobody really talks about them nobody like nobody except us who were like seven or like like between four and seven, talk about how great of a movie Lilo and Stitch is. Like, right? It's a fantastic movie, but like, who's who's nostalgic for us? The 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 younger millennials, not many right. other people. So it's like exactly. it's really no wonder that Stitch's Great Escape wasn't going to s- survive. Also, throw into the fact that both with Alien Encounter and Stitch's Great Escape, and this is a problem with Tomorrowland in general. If you decide that if you're a first time park goer and you decide to take a right and you go right to to Tomorrowland and you haven't experienced any rides ever you've you mm-hmm. don't know anything about the parks and you've never you didn't do your research of like this is where I want to go first and you don't know so you walk into either you walk into Tomorrowland and you take a right and you go to the laugh floor or you take a left and you go to Stitch's Great Escape both of those are not very great rides or not very great attractions to yeah. set the tone for what you're about to experience so I agree. maybe, and a lot of times they both have shorter weights, which is a, a bonus for them, but they have shorter weights for a reason because they're not very popular. And it's so interesting that both of those spots are not super strong, but I guess Adventureland doesn't have this, kind of has the same thing going of like, it's the treehouse or Aladdin. Right. I mean, when you think of in your Ten Commandments though, like you want, to try, you want to build a weenie, right? So you're going right down to um, the the castle is really the first thing you're drawn to. If you look around that hub, the first thing you're going to see, what is that? What's the first thing you're going to see other than the castle? Like where are you going to be drawn to? If you take a right, you're going to go to Astro Orbiter. Exactly. You're going to see Tomorrowland because that's the only one with a big sign in front of it. Mm-hmm. The rest of them don't have signs. So you can be like, oh, Tomorrowland right there, big flashy sign. I want to go in there. So they set themselves up for failure. Yeah. So I don't even think that they even have like to worry about Adventureland because yeah, you know, it's the first thing they have is tr- the treehouse and then uh, and then the worst. magic carpets of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but basically, a first time park goer who has no idea of the concepts and like idea of like 
they want to go to Adventureland first. If they're looking strictly on what they can see first, they're going to go to the castle, they're going to go to Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go to Laugh Floor now. Um, right. But, you know, previously, it could have been Stitch's Great Escape or Laugh Floor, because those are both giant signs or right, in, right behind Or, even worse, signs. Alien Encounter! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so if that's what you're expecting as a first-time park goer, like, say you're not a native English speaker, even, like, you're not really sure where to go, and you're like, oh, okay, let's go, and then that's what you get. You're leaving. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, you, if you think about where Alien Encounter was placed, it was just like, why yeah, would you make that someone's first impression? It could have been someone's first ride ever. Even, even if, okay, so sure let's pretend that Alien Encounter existed at Universal Studios, right? Like, because we said it would work. Even at Universal Studios, if you make that the first ride people get into, they're still not yeah. going to be ha- satisfied. It's just no. the placement of that ride. Because, like, Alien Encounter, we've talked about it, could have worked at Hollywood Studios. Could mm-hmm. have. Because of the nature of the difference of the park. It's just, it's still that, like, magic kingdom alien encounter what now when i think of this i'm thinking eisner wanted it in a spot that teens could get to it fast that makes sense Mm -hmm. but by doing that he's cutting out the rest of the market yeah so and and there were it's a horrible idea no matter what there were a lot of disclaimers on the ride to be completely fair there was Mm -hmm. a lot of like uh due to the nature of the the ride um it's not suitable for children under 12 even 12 for alien encounter is like scary and like the, that's what they say with halloween horror nights is like the the horror nights is not suitable for children under the age of 13 now everybody's kid is different but like i didn't go on the tower of terror until i was about 12 because of mm-hmm. the connotation of the the ride of the spooky of the scary so like an alien encounter, like we said, is like it's been, it's gone down as the scariest and most disturbing attraction of all time. Nothing was scarier. Like I talked to my mom about it the other day. I was like, Mom, did you ever get to ride Alien Encounter? She said, Yep, I rode it uh, when I took your sister to Disney when she was a year old. She went, stayed with your grandmother, and I hated it. I thought it was terrifying. Um, and she was like, And this is coming from the Queen of Halloween. Like my mom's favorite holiday is Halloween. She loves scary movies. And she was like, I thought that was too much yeah i'm not surprised i heard that from a lot of people um anyway so the theater sits empty um it was mission to mars alien encounter now stitches great escape uh, a few months back we talked in the news about permits being filed for the new ride in the area um it seems the building is being gutted and a new experience may be going in we don't know what that is but rumors are flying around for what it could be so stay tuned I know we talked about possible Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I think um, Wishful Hoping is a Wreck-It Ralph attraction. Um, I think that'd be really cool. I, I just, I don't know if anything's going to go back in there. I'm like, what can work in a theater in the round? Well, I, like, I think they would get rid of the theater in the round system. I think because there's- That's probably a good there's idea. There's two theaters there, um, specifically for, you know, load capacity. Um, so I think if you gutted it, you could make it into something interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what. I have higher hopes. I know that, like, I was listening to the saddest podcast on Earth, which goes over, like, top five Disneyland, and they talk about, like, defunct rides, and they said, like, I think their number two was the People Mover over there. And they were like, People Mover in Disney World? Great ride. Wish they'd bring it back. And then they were talking about how Tomorrowland and Disney World is just like insanely worlds better than the one in Disneyland and how Disneyland needs an mm-hmm. update. But like, and it's actually funny to think about Tomorrowland as a concept because Tomorrowland in in Magic Kingdom, like, yes, it's not necessarily tomorrow. And I think a lot of people just like live with the that I, that loss of like, it's never going to be this this feature of tomorrow. But when you look at the Tomorrowland that exists in Disney World, it's a fairly timeless Tomorrowland. Yeah. Like, it's, um, I want to say Tomorrowland in Florida is kind of, I want to say retro, it's rocket punk or something like that. I, I'll get you a, a concept in but a I, second. Keep going. I know, I know that like almost every other Tomorrowland since the Tomorrowland in Disneyland was built has had a little bit more of a 
of a attention to detail of like we have to make sure that even when the idea of tomorrow gets outdated we are still either ahead of our time or we're dreaming a tomorrow that will never happen kind of idea mm-hmm. which is kind of what Disney World's Tomorrowland is and it it like when you think right. about it it's more of like a fantasy of like you got Monsters Inc and I do think Monsters Inc fits very well in the Magic Kingdom and I really like as as not as much of a not great attraction as Monsters Inc is I do think it is a perfectly placed air conditioned theater yeah of like it's gonna get you in it gets you that interactive element and it gets you out but when you thought about it even that way you had the laugh floor which of course like alien encounter came before before that so you had but you had alien encounter you had this other sit down thing which may which came after alien encounter was switched over to um stitch great escape or around the same time they were not like Monsters came out in 2001, so obviously mm-hmm. they weren't going to be around for the same amount of time. And then you also had Carousel of Progress. So, like, most things in Tomorrowland were theater shows, <laughs> which is also a thing that I yeah. think you're, you're lacking in, is, like, if, you, if you're going to put something new into that theater in the round, like, make it a ride. Make it an attraction. Make it something worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was actually referring to a Reddit post when I was thinking about that. So it was just kind of going over like the different kind of mm-hmm. like retro futurism things. It's kind of like steampunk or mm-hmm. uh, categorize them. So I was thinking Ray Punk, though it actually might be an Adam Punk type future. So Ray, Gun, Ray Punk is categorized as Ray Gun, Gothic, you know, Streamline things, Strange Forces, Unknown Tech, and Aliens. Um, Adam Punk is categorized as Hard Sci Fi, Cold War Utopia, Atomic power nuclear energy and robots so it's kind of like a mix of those yeah it's like a weird blend like you find like random like the first thing that comes to mind is like um the phone booth robot by the people mover Mm -hmm. um you just have five like and then like the the metal palm trees yeah it's like everything's chrome you know and there's like rockets flying around the center plaza and there's everything's kind of streamlined if you go through the people mover you see um the the robot doing the lady's hair you see the people getting in rockets to get in their tubes to go to work uh it's like that kind of future like you know it's not really what it's gonna be like it's very jetson yeah it is it's jetson um so it's kind of like um almost a caricature of the future Mm -hmm. so and like it is a fantasy we know that at this point so it's like it we're okay with that right um, and it's funny how, how Tomorrowland has progressed and I am very intrigued to see where they're going. Cause I know they're trying to overhaul the style of Tomorrowland currently. So mm-hmm. Stitch's Great Escape was announced, um, officially closing a few months ago, which is really funny to me because it's been not gutted, but it's been not operating for a few years. Um, it turned seasonal yeah. in 2016, but it stopped. It was definitely a meet and greet by the time that. I was down there. So yeah, it, I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see where Tomorrowland is going. And um, as much as I am a little sad that there's no alien reference, although like the great movie ride portion, I think did it really well of yeah. this. I was always terrified of that part. It was this little peak. You already, your car was already taken over by that. Cause I believe that's the immediately next scene is after the Western yeah, scene, is. you go into, well, you have the gangster scene and the Western scene, depending on whichever one you, whichever car you're in. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, I only ever got, I think I only ever got the gangster scene. Yeah. It has to do with capacity. Um, or mm-hmm. so the, I want to say the back car always got the gangster scene. Cause the gangster scene happens first. Right. Because you go through and you get the gangster scene and then you have the cowboy scene. So if you're in the front car, you go right to the cowboy I scene. Have, I may have gotten the cowboy scene once or twice. Now that I really but think about it, if, I think I do remember someone shooting and then getting in the, the car. Yeah, but so do, but, but the gangster scene does the same thing. Right, but I'm thinking of shooting up at like the saloon. I think it did happen once to me. Maybe, but um, yeah. also if it wasn't busy in the park and they weren't at capacity and they weren't running both both scenes they did the gangster scene because there's more people trained in that situation yep that's the one i usually saw right so 
you would do the gangster scene or the cowboy scene and then you would just like wander through and then they were like let's talk about the genre of horror here's alien and the freaking yep. xenomorph just like attacks you from the side and above the above one yeah. was always so scary and i have many memories of crouching on like down in my little seat however once they got rid of the alien ip it was like they kind of almost made a more terrifying creature in alien encounter oh, yeah it was a winged like four-eyed creepy monster and if you look in um i don't remember where which which park it's in i think it's tokyo disney sea there's like a lava monster in the bottom of mount vesuvius in tokyo disney sea and it's not the exact same alien but it has a very high resemblance of that alien so i'm I think it might be like either very inspired or the same model used. Yeah. But hey man, Alien Encounter, real fucked up. <laughs> yeah. We uh not my not not their best. No. Um very interesting concept. Would have worked right down the road. Yeah, man. You put Alien Encounter where Men in Black was, easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Oh yeah. Cause then it's the back of the the back of the park. You have to go through everything else to get there. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's what we got for you today. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. So um, yeah, make sure you uh, like this podcast, like to post on Facebook, share a podcast with a friend. Um, if you like what we're doing here, um, please subscribe and visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Q2Q. It's about just like the podcast. You can subscribe for anywhere uh, from $1 up and get a range of different bonus content and merch. Mm-hmm. so we would greatly appreciate that yeah man and uh if make sure you follow us on all of our social medias we got uh instagram and twitter and facebook and we have a youtube channel that we just post occasionally some of our lovely vlogs and sometimes we just mm-hmm. have rants that pop into our head um yeah and if you still haven't checked out our latest santa's village blog vlog check that out on our youtube mm-hmm. even though it's spooky season there's nothing spookier than christmas in target well think nightmare before christmas there you go um so yeah thanks everybody for joining us today and we will see you next week next time Bye -bye. bye bye